Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison inviting you to listen to our latest podcast, number 979, with authors Marcus and Sheila Gillette about their new book entitled The Art of Relationship, Discover the Magic of Unconditional Love. This podcast, number 979, is brought to you by Peter DaVinci, author of a new book entitled Decoding Your STEM Career, How to Exceed Your Expectations. If you're interested in knowing more about Peter, his events, his services, and his books, please visit his website at www.petedebeny.com. And now for our featured podcast, please listen to my engaging interview with authors Marcus and Sheila Gillette about their new book entitled The Art of Relationship, Discover the Magic of Unconditional Love. Happy listening. Well, welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. Um, I have two wonderful souls joining me, uh, Sheila and Marcus Gillette. Do you say it Gillette or Gillette? Gillette. 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 Okay. I was just adding that bit of <laughs> into that. Um, they are joining us from, are you in Scottsdale? Is that correct? Yes. Scottsdale, Arizona. And many of you who are listening might already know them, but we're going to be speaking about a new book that they have out right now called The Art of Relationship, Discover the Magic of Unconditional Love and the Wisdom of Theo. Um, and I want my listeners, uh, Sheila and Marcus, to know a little bit about you. Over the last 25 years, Sheila and Marcus have empowered and educated thousands of people worldwide um, through conversations with Theo. Sheila has been a direct voice medium for Theo, a collective of 12 archangels since her near-death experience in 1969. In partnership with Marcus, Sheila has been able to share Theo's wisdom with an ever-widening community impacting upon their incredible messages that foster enlightenment state of consciousness. You also have a book out called The Soul Truth, um, and we'll put a link to that as well, and The Fifth Dimension Channels a New Reality. Um, you've been at this a long, long time, and that's a good thing, because literally longevity breeds more wisdom. As far as I'm concerned, I've been at this a long time too, podcasting, and people always say, you've been doing this 15 years. That's before anybody was podcasting. And I said, yeah, pretty close, pretty close. But thank you both for being on the show and taking the time to not only we're going to spend some time with Theo as well, but we're also going to ask some questions around the book. And so... Uh, the way I set this up was just to kind of rally back and forth and then get into Theo. So that's what we're going to do. And for my listeners, Marcus, um, or I should say Sheila, I want to open the book up with a very compelling story that you had about a traumatic incident during childbirth. Birth. And you asked God to save you. Um, and I, and as I was reading this, I was thinking, okay, this is, and then I, you kind of had this out of body experience. Can you tell the story and your encounter with Jesus at the end of the bed and also why you believe you were saved because you almost died during that experience? I did, Greg. I I had um, pulmonary embolus after the birth of a child in 1969. 
and my lungs were full of fluid and I could not breathe. And I was in intensive care and I knew if I closed my eyes, I would not open them again. And I learned later that my family was being prepared that I wouldn't live through the day. And, you know, the, the pandemic brought all that back to me because it affected the lungs and people couldn't breathe. And so I have lots of compassion for those who had to be intimated and, and had those terrific or horrific experiences. However, I could not breathe. I felt as if I had an elephant sitting on my chest. And I did. I just kept saying, hey, God, give me a job. I'll do anything. I had two little children at home, had a brand new baby, and I wanted to stick around and be their mom. And so I just kept saying, I'll do anything. Give me a job. Now, let me tell you, had God given me a roster of positions that were available, I don't know that I would have chosen this one. Because in 1969, when you become a direct voice trance medium, the only person that in, that people knew about that had done that is Edgar Casey. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something openly spoken of. And I'm in my intensive care cubicle. The rooms are small. And it was as if the, the sun had risen in the room itself. It was so bright and I saw movement at the end of my bed. And when I focused on it, Jesus was standing there. And of course, I was like, well, whoa, this is interesting. However, I was mesmerized by his beautiful hazel eyes and the amount of love I felt. and. I just kept looking at him and he smiled at me. And then he took his arms and crossed them like this inside the sleeves of of the garment he had on. And when he did that, I heard in my inner mind hearing, like we hear our own thoughts, a distinct male voice that said, remember my child, you are loved. At that point, I felt like my crown opened up and this warmth started pouring down through the interior of my body in every cell. And as it went through the trunk of my body, I felt as if I could take a deep breath. And then I started getting better. Now, this is a a place out of time because as I speak to you about it and your listeners, it's as if it just happened a moment ago. It's that clear to me. And what I know, I don't have a doubt. I had a miraculous healing in that little cubicle that day. Um, People call it near-death experience. I didn't go down a tunnel, but I did have the bright light. And many of the the things that people who have near-death experience have. But. Then I was in the hospital for a month. And when I got out about six months later, I had all kinds of psychic phenomena happening to me. Internally, externally, I could hear messages in my inner mind as I heard Jesus's voice. And then I trance spontaneously 
and became a direct voice transmedium. And that's what scientists called me. That's what was the term in that time. Channeling wasn't even a term that was used in this medium, in this experience. So that came a a few years later. But I started having all kinds of information being given to me that I couldn't possibly have known about people that were around me um, and friends. And then I received information about Watergate two years before it came to the surface. and, And we all learned about what was going on. So there were things I was given all the way along that kept being confirmed daily so I could trust. And no, it wasn't coming from me because I couldn't have possibly known the things that I was being given. We lived in a society at that time that was not super accepting of that. You know, you you talk about Edgar Cayce. Yes, we can all read about him and read his books and his works. Um, people like Paul Foster Case and, you know, all these individuals that preceded in the times, like in the in the 20s, much of this work was done. This heavy spiritual work was done underground. It had to be yes. done underground because Christianity was going to squash it or could. And this has been uh, the issue for many times. My my wife, believe it or not, is the head of an order called Builders of the Athenum. Um, and that is uh, based out of Los Angeles with members worldwide. And, you know, when they work with vibration and color and sound and all these mm-hmm. kind of things, that was a little bit in the 20s. It was like, oh, my gosh, you guys are a little wacko, right? Um, so, you know, it's like, it's interesting. But your story and how you got there is, I think, a good place for our listeners to understand is that 1969, you had this experience which then allowed you or you were chosen to be kind of tapping into these archangels. And Marcus, I want to skip to this section in a chapter on the sacred self that you speak about in the book. Um, and you state that it's not conditional on anything becomes our new normal when we're not conditional on anything, a state that is not conditional on anything externally happening to us or for us or when something happens, as if often the case when we experience temporary feelings of happiness, right? So I think that's a state that many of my listeners are looking for more often. Everybody is, right? What do we need to release or evolve or transmute to achieve these states of unconditional love for ourselves and others? Because we're so hard on ourselves as a human species. You know, it's just like our brains are wired that way. You know, this ego just keeps telling us we're not enough and we're not loved and we're not doing the right things and so on. And I talk about this on a lot of shows, but no matter how many times I talk about it, There's always a different approach to how you can actually overcome it. So I'd love to hear yours. (laughs) Well, it's a great question. It's a great question, big question uh, for sure, Greg. And you know, for for some context, we we start that paragraph off by saying maybe happiness really isn't the goal. You know, right? Maybe there's something more. There's something more permanent, a, a vibrational state of being that supersedes happiness, which can be conditional upon things happening for us and to us. And when we, you know, have these external things happening, we're happy, 
right? But but then that can have a tendency of fading. And then what? What is our true state? What's underneath all of that? And this is the vibrational state of being that Theo's talking about. And this is where Theo's teachings have been uh, have been really expanding and why so many people are adopting Theo's wisdom on the topic of self-love and how to get there, how to create this vibrational state. And we start with the premise that any thought that we have or belief that we have about ourselves that is anything other than unconditional love is simply not true. It's just an untrue belief about the self. Where are these beliefs created? Where are they adopted? They could be childhood trauma. The process of Theo teaches, which is called soul integration, which we talk about in chapter three, is simply is a is a combination of they, they people say, well, it sounds like little child or shadow work. Yeah, it, it is has that component to it. Or shamanic soul retrieval, very definitely a, a, a component of that as well. But it's more than that. It's multidimensional, and that's what Theo is inviting us to know ourselves as: is this vibration, this 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 vibrational state of being of unconditional love. And who is that? That's who we really are. That's our true nature. So this process leads us home uh, by virtue of getting to the core circumstance, which could also very well include previous incarnations in which a belief, an untrue belief about the self was created or adopted. And it could be from you know, parents, it could be from a community, it could be from our, our tribe, it could be from the, the church teachings, it could be from wherever it comes from, we adopt these beliefs about ourselves that just aren't true. And so this vibrational state of being that, that Theo's been teaching us, this becoming, it's not a feeling or an emotion, is our natural state of being, and we're awaking and remembering to it. And I had just one more thing, Greg, when, we, when you look up the definition of self-love, we went to Wikipedia, and there's two definitions of self-love. The first one is conceit. And self-centeredness. The second one is necessary for personal fulfillment, and I'm I'm paraphrasing. Which one were, were you raised with? Is the question that we ask people to ask themselves. So, so what belief in, from the time that you could you were awake did you adopt relative to what self-love really means? And the last thing I'll say about this is if you go and 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 do any research on the concept of original sin, which is just utter nonsense created by Pope Augustine in the fourth century. Now we've got 2 billion people walking around thinking that they came in with a stain on their soul. How do you love love yourself if that's how you've been taught to believe that you're a sinner? And Theo says there are no sinners. And I think that's a a significant thing to embrace and difficult for some that have been raised in a belief system that is very, very heavily in opposition to that belief. Well, it's interesting. I like the way that the two of you get there because you're actually and you're this direct medium, right? Um, the the difference is, you know, you can speak speak with, and not that long ago, I had Gary Zukov on here and Neil Donald Walsh and all these people that have written books about similar things, but the way they approach this is a little different than the way you guys. It's quite a bit different in the way you guys approach it, but fundamentally underneath it all it's it's still theoretically the same thing is that's healing i mean you could say hey look i have um there's a study that kaiser's been doing about uh early childhood traumas right that we carry with us the ace thing and i'm working with some doctors right now on that on an application but you what you realize is we carry that trauma through and as you you got a question is did did I incarnate this life to have that trauma and to really work through it? You know, and a lot of people blame it on somebody else, but you can't do that. We understand that. 
So Sheila, this is a good question for you. You know, you speak with the listeners about Theo refers to soul integration. And I, you know, I was just talking to you about a book called 911 from the soul. There's a lot of this out there now, you know, listen to your soul. How do you be discerning? How do I know where that voice is coming from? My listeners are saying, hey, you know, but I hear it, but I don't know whether or not I can act on it because I don't know if I trust it. You know, it's it's really this discernment thing. Um, what is it and how do we take the first step toward the vibrational state of being an unconditional love that Theo's talking about, or basically what Marcus was just talking about? Well, I'm, I love this question, Greg, because Theo's been teaching soul integration process for five decades. And I was working individual individually with people where they would lead them through the process. And many people say, Oh, that's just inner child work or soul retrieval work. And I would say to that, yes, it is, and more. Because to your point, we do carry things forward. Theo talks about our soul being like a diamond with many facets. And we choose to incarnate. And when there are things carried forward, it's just like what gives the the diamond brilliance is light refracting on those facets. So we could say when we're aware of what we've carried forward is the light is shining on that facet of our soul, or Theo calls it a fragment, where we judge and create a belief in a situation and circumstance outside of ourselves. And it's either a belief that somebody has given us and we've adopted it as truth or something we've created to survive in that moment to belong to that family to that community to that religion whatever it is that we've separated this little part of ourselves for survival's sake to become other than who we are our truth which mm-hmm. is unconditional love So what Theo's soul integration process teaches us is how to get in contact with those parts of ourselves and how to love them forward into the present time, not send them away. They've been isolated or like frozen in time from that moment. And those situations, circumstances, things that happened, those don't change. That's history. But what changes about that is our perception. Yeah, it's a, we, you're we, saying to gives, embrace those things versus to embrace them, to it's shun not to them away. Yeah, we you know, many people attempt to shun them away. You know, they want to yes. get rid of them. And you're saying those have been given to you as a gift to to work through in this incarnation. And that leads me to a question because we're going to have you bring Theo into this. Uh, podcast. But, um, you know, this could go to both of you, Marcus, you as well. Um, you know, when I, I listen to the responses to the questions I get in these, I get these hits, right? And one of the hits that just came up for me was the biggest fear people have is their finitude, their finality, they're making their transition to the other side, call it death, call it whatever you want. But right now we do call it death. 
And it has this, that word has this stigma attached to it where the fear is there. What would the two of you speak with our listeners so that, you know, they could better understand what these archangels are trying to tell us about this transmuting this fiscal plane into a spiritual plane someplace beyond, because it is one of the biggest fears that most people walk around with. Jack, I, I used to have to share something with you real quick, Greg, in terms of being on the same wavelength here. I'm making notes because if I don't make notes, I'll forget stuff at the age of 65, right? So I just okay. wanted, I wanted to circle back around. I just wrote down no fear of death just about one minute ago. Yeah. And what I was referencing was, to give more context, was the somewhat uh, ineffable or indescribable nature of the state of being that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a deep level of peace. It's a deep level of comfort in the skin if there's no worries there's also no fear of death and that was what i just wrote down and so you you and i are just picking this up somehow because that is one of the things when we know ourselves to be eternal beings theo talks about birth to birth and i want to turn it over to sheila here in a minute because she speaks about this so beautifully that we're not it's not a birth to death process it's a birth to birth process and when we begin to experience ourselves as more than our physical bodies which we're, which this fifth dimensionary energy that we're living in is just ripe for vibrationally, there's no fear of death in that. Mm-hmm. In fact, we, we begin to perceive it as the grandest spiritual experience of them all, as opposed to having any any uh, fear of it at all. Sheila, I know you guys. But one of but one of the words you use, Marcus, is experience. Yeah. If if I was to underline anything in the paragraph, it's experience versus trying to get there. In other words, it's yeah. like how do I drop into that experience or not even drop in, just become it, right? It, it's it's a little different than trying to effort toward it. It's actually becoming it because the, it's the effortness that requires, I don't know. That's my point is, hey, we're all in this world of learning all the time, right? And so, Sheila, your thoughts. Well, I love this question, too, because I've had a near-death experience, and I'm not afraid of death. And I've been with people in hospice, and and particularly I've been with my parents. And I remember my mom saying to me before she passed, she said, well, I've never done this before. I said, are you afraid? She said, well, I, I just don't know where I'm going. I've never done this before. But she did tell the hospice nurse, because I wasn't there that Jesus would just have to wait for her until I got there, which I thought was really sweet, (laughs) which was true. And, but the thing about the birth to birth, you know, we birth, we choose an incarnation. We go through the birthing process into these human earth suits, and then we birth out of them into our multidimensional beingness because we're multidimensional souls that are eternal. So the fear, I think the greater fear that I've spoken with people about and and heard is they don't want to be in pain. They're afraid it's going to be awful and hurt and, you know, because we've seen people suffer during those times. However, to Marcus's point, when we... And I totally, in my soul of souls, believe this. When we do the integrational process, we 
rewrite those scripts about not being lovable, not being enough, not being worthy, all the not enoughnesses. We change that. We perceive ourselves differently. And then we don't have those fears. To Marcus's statement. We take uh, off that heavy coat, Sheila, that we've been wearing, that we're walking around with, either resisting the love that's trying to come our way or giving the love that we should be giving out. I, I think I have a, I know I have, it's right behind me. You know, Dalai Lama used to say that you're going to be remembered for how much you loved, who loved you, and how much you let go. In essence, that's kind of what it is. And the, and the reality is you're talking about relationship here to love yourself and to love others. When you wear that outside big heavy coat that you're carrying around, you're talk, talking about and whether it be resistance or, you know, you've got to be right or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you're pushing people away. And the art of relationship and what the two of you are getting to is this. And I think this is a perfect time, um, an opportunity for you to channel in Theo. And maybe we could ask uh, these archangels a few questions about relationship and the importance of loving ourselves and knowing ourselves. Would that be okay? Of course, it takes just a few seconds for me to invite them in. I take a couple of deep breaths. I close my eyes. I invite them to come in. They take over, particularly from the right side of my body, my vocal cords, and then my entire body. And they they begin to speak. So here we go. I'll invite them. It is the beginning, is it not? We are appreciative of the opportunity to be of service unto you. You may ask. What is it that our listeners need to know, Theo, about becoming complete loving souls on this planet? You cannot give what you do not have. And so it is of great import that you love yourself. And how that is done is releasing external beliefs that you've adopted as your truth. Rewriting the script, knowing that you are a divine master being, having a human experience, not a human having a spiritual experience. You've chosen to be here now and shift of consciousness that has never happened on this planet before. And the fifth dimensionary energy, much more refined to that fuller realization of the truth of your being, knowing that the situation, circumstances, challenges that you have in your life are only the curriculum of your human experience. They do not define you. However, they make you stronger and they allow you to mature. So as you move forward into adulthood, you can speak to those little aspects, those parts of yourself that have created or adopted beliefs about you that are simply untrue and love them forward into the present. You may ask. Theo, what about 
the fears that most human beings carry around with them, and especially the fear of death and dying. What wisdom would you impart upon our listeners regarding these fears that they are carrying? The fear is asking you to believe in something that hasn't even happened yet. The fear is, what if something horrible will happen to me? What if something wonderful will happen for you? For know that life is happening through you and for you, not to you. And that you are a divine soul having this human experience and will move again into your multidimensional soul being when you're complete with this physical incarnation. And so the paradigm of fear is the absence of love. And fear and faith ask the same of you to believe in something that's unseen. So we would encourage those who have this fear not to fear living, because oftentimes that's the greater fear, and so it transfers into leaving the physical body undone. And in this process of integration, that sense of love, of self, then allows you to be open and receptive to love. Humans are good givers, but poor receivers. So the integration allows receptivity, and in that receptivity, the ability to love is greater still. You may ask. Theo, thank you for your wisdom and insight for my listeners and myself. I so appreciate this and um, blessings. You are complete with your asking. Yes. We are appreciative of the opportunity to serve. God's love unto you. Good day. Well, that was a great, great experience. Thank you for that. I appreciate you doing that. And for my listeners as well, all of you out there. And Marcus, you had mentioned just a little bit earlier that they can have a special URL um, so that they can get some of the additional opportunities. They certainly were going to put a link to the book, but what is that URL again? If you'd like to just say it so that we've got it. The URL is asktheo.com forward slash love. And we've got some gifts available for them. Uh, a guided meditation with Theo in addition to others. And, um, and there's also the opportunity. There's a button there to push to purchase the new book as well. And for all my listeners, I want you to know that if you just go to asktheo.com, you can learn more about the meditations and dialogues, the live events, mentoring programs, and uh, to become a member. Uh, but certainly go to the web uh, website. We'll put a link to it as well. Um, there's lots of information there. So 
Um, it's a great place to go and to learn more about Marcus uh, and Sheila. So Marcus, in the chapter on loving yourself changes everything, you state that if we were to imagine believing, knowing without a doubt that any thought that was not unconditional loving about ourselves was simply not true. Very simply what Theo just said. Um, what needs to transform about the fragmented parts of ourselves for us to become whole and realize the imagined state without a doubt in our soul? Well, I think it's, you know, to uh, to your accurately picking up on the word experience, you know, I just, I just thinking that you know, we talk about our belief systems, but it's really so much more than a belief system. It's a knowing system. It's, 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 it's just our, from our own personal experience. There's a, Old, old Sufi saying that only a fool believes another's word over their own experience, and and so it's all about personal experience, Greg. And I, and and I'll, and I'll just kind of share a, a briefly a perspective on what we hear over and over and over again from our clients who've been working with Theo to answer your question. And what we hear is that there are there are these moments of truth that I like to call them, where a, an experience occurs that we would have been reactive to. And in a nanosecond, in a moment, we have an awareness. I don't have to do that anymore. That simply isn't who I am now. I have a different mm-hmm. level of awareness. I have a different level of understanding why I used to believe the things that I used to believe that would lead me to be emotionally reactive. And instead of, 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 of being in that emotionally reactive state of being, we can be in a very emotionally masterful state of response and of observation and of awareness and asking ourselves the question, isn't that interesting? That's the way I used to be. Now I'm not that way anymore. What ends up happening is we end up uh, establishing and maintaining healthy boundaries in our lives, which is a definition in and of itself of self-love, according to Theo. Uh, we begin to find ourselves, and, and, and again, in answering to your question, it's these awarenesses that keep coming in, where all of a sudden I'm not feeling that fear or that resistance to take the action step necessary to move toward my dream. Or... That feeling I used to have, like Sheila was just talking about, of not enoughness, not pretty enough, not smart enough, not experienced enough, not whatever the not enoughness, not lovable enough, whatever those are, it's no longer in our, it's, it's not who we are anymore. You know, we can be, yeah, that, why not me? And why not now? You know, one of our favorite sayings is, if not you, who? And if not now, if not and now, when? And so it's just an experience. And it's an experience of knowing the self and adopting a belief of how lovable we really are through our own personal experience and knowing uh, based upon how we're responding to life instead of reacting to it anymore. And Marcus, I love what you said. And Greg, I I just have a little caveat to that because people will say, oh, then that's conceited or arrogant or any of those words that Marcus spoke about before. But it's not. When you get into that soul-centered place, there's humility because it's an unconditional loving place. It's not show, uh, look at me, look at me, I'm so great. It's not that narcissistic experience that that we know and, and see and have experienced with others. But it's the soul-centeredness. It's an energy that emanates from us as well of calm and peace. Imagine being at peace and comfortable in your skin, no matter what challenge you're going through in life. That's what integration gives you. 
It's one, so, final, one, one, one final thing I got to add to that too is just the word non-judgment. So we stop judging others, right? And we stop and we stop judging ourselves, Craig. And 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 judgment turns into what used to be judgment. This is another yardstick, I guess you could call it, uh, or benchmark for how we're doing in this process. And that is simply that we stop judging. We end up feeling more compassion. We also allow ourselves to be more vulnerable, and and that vulnerability, we open up our hearts. And that raises our vibration just in and of itself and having gratitude for all the things that we uh, that we want to, in fact, manifest more of. Because, again, that's just that heart opening uh, that takes place that makes us more receptive. Uh, and, um, and it's just a, a, a beautiful expression, really, of self-love. Well, I think the most important thing you said, and I'll repeat it for our listeners in a different way was I'm going to use this really quick story. Uh, at 21 years old, my eldest son uh, got chronic myelogenous leukemia. And I picked up a book on spontaneous remission. Now, Sheila had her experience at the end of the bed with Jesus coming. But if you read these accounts of spontaneous remission of people, it was really quite phenomenal. You know, we're talking about people that had cancer and the cancer just went away, right? So Mm -hmm. I prayed about this and I I looked for answers and solutions for him, but it was his journey, not mine. Um, You never know why you bring this into your life, for what reason, but he did find that out, right? And I think the most important thing is, is that you said this can be instantaneous. I maybe didn't quite frame it. But you had this epiphany, like, boom. Okay. Whereas I know for many of us, we like to carry that heavy baggage because we have a story we can tell. (laughs) And, you know, I call it, you know, we live in the world of MSU, making stuff up and then start believing the shit that we made up. And then so we made that up. So we start living that stuff. But I also know that you don't have to believe everything you think. Right. So, you know, when you think a thought, why why make it a belief? And you said knowing, and I want to get to that because knowing is very important. I say when your belief becomes a knowing, okay, that is true for you. It doesn't have to be true for anybody else, but it's true for you. And um, whatever that may resonate with my listeners, they hear me enough so they understand where I'm coming from. I think that Theo, in just the few minutes that you did, made very clear, Sheila, about resonating with loving yourself. And so this question is for you. You've got a great quote in the book from the Dalai Lama. Remember, the best relationship is the one in which our your love for each other exceeds your need for each other. Very, really, really, really important quote. quote. How do we... Uh, possess the values and characteristics that we desire in another soul. Marcus? For you. I heard Sheila. Oh, oh, you heard me? Okay. That's okay. I'm, that I'm sorry. Could you, you, would you, you repeat it, please? Oh, sure, can, sure, sure. Sheila, you have a quote in the book from Dalai Lama. Remember that the best relationship yeah. is the one in which our love for each other exceeds our need for each other. I think that, I yes. mean, really, that is, that's so powerful. Just in yes. itself. But how do we possess the values and characteristics 
that we desire in another soul. Because what we're saying is, well, I'm seeking a mate, seeking a partner for business, um, whatever it is. And I'm looking in relationship. I'm in relationship, but you know what? If everyone read that Dalai Lama quote, they'd be like, wow, I don't have to be so resistant. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got it. So what I'll say to that is the old paradigm of relationship came from need. And typically, subconsciously, we try to fix the other person because the woundedness in me attracts the woundedness in you. And if Mm -hmm. I can fix you, you'll fix me. Mm -hmm. And that's an impossibility because it's an inside-out job. So doing the work to gain that self-love, not self-criticism and judgment that we harshly do to ourselves, but realizing that we are these wonderful, magnificent, as Theo puts it, beings. And when we begin to realize that, not, as I said earlier, from a narcissistic viewpoint, but from truth, and then we can attract to ourselves someone who's done that work as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not looking to be fixed. They don't need somebody to fill up the hole of their heart. When they've done it and you've done it, you come together preferentially. And really, in today, you know, in the past, men and women's roles were so defined that we needed each other to fulfill those roles. Well, now we can do that for ourselves, men and women. We don't need the other in that sense of need. So now it's evolved to this new paradigm of relationship that's preferential, partnership, uh, collaboration, uh, companionship. Fun, mm-hmm. you know, having fun with another, not not having all these expectations or, that have gone unmet, not getting fulfilled in the relationship. They've already fulfilled. All those parts have healed, for lack of a better term. But we've come into the whole, as Theo talks about it, it's becoming whole the wholeness of our being, you could even say holiness of our being, that soul-centeredness. And when you do that, all your relationships transform. And I think it's it's kind of this sense of feeling full, feeling enriched, feeling alive. Uh, You know, you're talking about the soul integration. Um, And in so many relationships, in so many cases where, you know, they've become public. I, I know because I just finished watching The Crown. And you look at the relationship between Philip and the Queen, right? And it was like, hey, they didn't have a relationship very much, but they had a wholeness that was fulfilling each other. And to her, it was kind of the duty, right? It was like the, the, the duty of being the Queen of England. Marcus, in the chapter on honorable separation, 
you as the list, it says you as the listener to consider the relationship as a, as mobile. As you grow and expand psychically and spiritually, you take steps toward manifesting your dreams and desires. You will find some in your life not supportive of your path. Just talking about this. What advice would you have for people when they find their relationships have become imbalanced? And how can we end them in an honorable way? I mean, you know, look, today... I don't know. I don't know the statistics on divorce, but divorce is still pretty high, right? Relationships end. And when I was watching The Crown, I was looking at it. It was like they were just doing divorces in the court. And then finally, the one comes with um, Diana, right? And it's like, oh, boy, this is a big deal because everybody loved them, right? It was like, oh, how could these two get divorced, right? So uh, talk with us about ending that honorably. That's what they tried to do. Yeah, this is such a good question. And this is a big question for a lot of people, you know, going back to the energetics of it all, as we raise our own vibrational frequencies, we become different, right? Our, our, our interests are different. Conversations we like to have with people are different. The personal experiences that we're having um, are uh, are so much fun to share with those who get us and who are having similar experiences on their own. And it's just a different, it's a different conversation. I won't even use level. It's just a different conversation. It feels different, right? There's more of a soulful uh, uh, connection that's taking place. And, you know, at the end of the day, why, why would we want people in our lives? And I'll get to the honorable separation in a minute, Greg, that don't support us. In other words, that we have certain visions and dreams and, 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 uh, goals of becoming or doing or having something in our lives. And if they're not supporting us or at least respecting our decisions, uh, they're looking you know, through their own lenses of, of, uh, they're projecting through their own lenses of, of, of um, lack of interest or lack of, of of ability to do the same. So if people aren't growing and you're growing, there's a disconnect that takes place. And it's not, you know, it's not a, 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 a conscious act of, of being unkind. It's not about um, hurting people's feelings. It's, it's none of that. It's just simply what is, right? Um, you know, to quote the Dalai Lama again, you know, uh, greatest source of all pain and suffering is resisting what is. And, and the what is of this is simply that I'm growing and maybe you've chosen because of your own belief system not to and not to support me and my growth. So it really boils down to energy. And are we in relationships that are up leveling, uplifting? Are we in relationships that are adding and, 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 and creating more alivened energy within ourselves and enthusiasm and joy to be together? Or not. Um, you know, loyalty is a big conversation. She and I have this conversation quite frequently about loyalty. And loyalty is not an entitlement, right? It is something that we earn for and with each other. Um, obligation is interesting too, Greg. Uh, Theo talks about obligation as being, are you doing it to be loved? Attached to the good opinions of others. Or are you doing it out of love? Mm-hmm. Wholehearted because it brings you joy. And and so this relationship mobile, when you start to change and people in your life aren't supportive or 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 doing the same, and you're growing and you're and you're down a spiritual path most frequently, um this can happen. It's you're just on a different wavelength, I guess is the best way of putting it. And to know that it can it can uh you know the separation can occur naturally, it doesn't have to be harsh, doesn't have to be hurt feelings. But one thing for sure that we know is that how you end one relationship, and let's just talk romantic relationships, the old paradigm is anger and blame. 
justification, defense. The new paradigm is, is to remember the love that you had for each other and to exit with love and respect and honor and compassion. And what that does energetically is creates a vibration for your next relationship that's going to match the vibration in which you left the, the previous one. I think that's the most important part is to know that we don't have to blame. We don't have to be angry. Remember the love that we had. Uh, and just know that in the in the relationship mobile that it's okay. And if you find yourself doing things to be loved out of obligation because you still want to be accepted and for whatever the purpose might be, you might consider the possibility of of being just being aware that we do things to be uh, when we're really full hearted is when it brings us more more joy and more love in our lives. I think you you summed that up pretty good and. Um... I remember, and I think I, when we did our pre-interview call, I talked about this a bit, but you know, what's so apparent to me is I tell you about this, the stuff that we make up and I always would encourage people to say, is it true? Is it really true? Uh, Cause we like to make up stories and that's not my statement. Who'd that come from? I forget. What is her name? The she's Byron Katie. Yeah. Byron Katie. And I, and Katie. I loved her because you know, when, is it true? Is it really true? Or is it something you just made up? You started to believe and now you're saying, Hey, look, this other person's, you know, like they're, they're mm-hmm. full of crap. Right. And you can heal yourself as much by asking those questions, uh, and heal a relationship. And, um, I'm not saying to just hang on just because you want to hang on. What I'm saying is maybe think about it a little bit. Think about yourself in relationship. How are you in the relationship? Um, and that's probably one of the biggest epiphanies I think anyone could have. So Marcus and Sheila, the art of relationship is filled with great stories and dialogues with the, Theo. What is it about our relationships with ourselves and others in our life that we need to understand and the purpose for having these relationships so that we can grow as human souls? <laughs> You know, one of my favorite things that Theo has said in in all the years I've been, been working with him, the decades actually, is if you live alone, you can always be right. Because you don't have anybody reflecting to you what you need to see about yourself that maybe a different point of view or a different um, way of thinking could advance your knowledge. We're here together and we're better together than we are apart. And our dialogues, you know, what's happened in the last few years, the divisiveness that has separated us is we haven't been able to have a dialogue with people that have a different opinion than we do. And that's where we grow. You know, somebody gives us a different opinion and we can take it in and think about it and 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 glean something that will help us grow. But the the trick is the respect, you know, respecting each other and knowing that we all have something to offer our relationships. And, and not- I also would add to that, Sheila, that to read something that maybe you normally wouldn't read. <laughs> Okay. That's not to say they wouldn't read your book, but I say this because it opens up your perspective about the world. Um, it opens up the ideas, you know, you, you, it, it takes radical curiosity sometimes to find the solution. And these kind of things, 
where you would become opening, open up to listening to what Theo has to say, right? Because there's still a lot of people out there that wouldn't believe this. And what I'm trying to say to them is today, open your mind. There is wisdom here in the words of Theo and the archangels, the 12 archangels. Please take an opportunity if you're not as open to doing that because you might learn something, right? Um, so I would say be receptive and open to it. Uh, it's, it's so much easier to shut down and go, no, 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 I'm not, I don't believe any of that stuff. It's just not what I'm going to do. And I'm saying it's probably more enlightening, enriching, and insightful for you if you would take the opportunity to do that. And with that, Marcus, we'll ping this question back to you. And what would you like to say about that? Well, first thing I would say is don't worry about the messengers. You know, just just read the messages and take them in and see how they feel. And and the, what's cool about the book, I think, uh, is the actual personal experiences of people talking to Theo in each chapter, and yeah. then their own their own personal response and sharing of their stories uh, following their their session with Theo. And some of these are stories that we have followed for for a year and more, and how their lives unfolded after embracing these teachings. So don't worry about the messengers. Theo doesn't care if you believe in them speaking through Sheila. If you can't get your head around uh, the fact that archangels are speaking through uh, this beautiful woman, that's okay. No big deal. But listen to the messages because the messages are are super and powerful. The, the only last thing I wanted to um, uh, share in answer to your question about, about the purpose of incarnating and the purpose of, of human relationships in general is the learning of emotions is what Theo says as is as the purpose for why we came here. People say, well, what's my purpose? Well, your purpose is here. You're here in human incarnation. You, you won the lottery, as Theo would say. You're here in a human body. You get to do all these wonderful things we get to do as humans. And that the uniqueness of this experience is the learning of emotions. And I've asked Theo a few times, what is that? What is the purpose of that in terms of the eternal journey of the soul? What's the soul get out of coming into human form for however many years we're here and then moving on to the next experience. And maybe it's another incarnation or Theo says there's billions of opportunities for the soul to experience multidimensionally. And they say, it's about the learning of emotions and what people really are looking for is they they, they consider it a purpose, but it's really a passion. Mm -hmm. So what, what Theo's teachings are really all about, I think, and I'll just conclude with this, Greg, I think that, Theo's teachings are about removing, about integrating all of the untrue beliefs about ourselves so we can move into a life that is a life of passion, of aliveness, of waking up every morning just, you know, really enthusiastic about what we get to go do and, and how we get to serve and how we get to be, whatever that form and expression might be. So I think that's that's kind of the bottom line for me in terms of... No, I, I think it's so true. And like I said, I'd like people to open up to this and be receptive to it and go get the book. The other thing I would say is, you know, we've talked uh, in and about and around uh, emotions which are uncomfortable, you know, and the most important thing that I think Sheila said was you need to embrace those. You know, Theo would say embrace those because what are you going to learn from them? What are you going to learn from the, you, you weren't put here in like a, uh, a, a, what I want to call a, a balloon just to kind of go through life and not have these great experiences. And many of them uh, occur in our greatest amount of discomfort, whether it was you going through your near-death experience or 
losing a child or losing a mother or a father. I know this last couple of years, I lost two brothers, my mother, you know, uh, you know, that those kind of things and how you learn how to internalize what's going on with inside yourself and deal with it is what's important and become a better person on the other side. I think the key is to just become a good person, right? I thought that's about the sound, most sound advice that anybody could give you is just be a good person. And you two are great people. And with that, namaste, I'm going to end this podcast and just thank you both for being on. And for my listeners, we've been talking uh, with Sheila and Marcus Gillette. And the book is The Art of Relationships, Discover the Magic of Unconditional Love. Go get a copy. We'll have a link to that. We'll also put the link up, as uh, Marcus said, to the free gifts that we're offering you. Thank you both for being on Inside Personal Growth. Namaste to each of you. Blessings. And to you, Greg. Thank you so much, Greg. Thank you for listening to this podcast on Inside Personal Growth. We appreciate your support. And for more information about new podcasts, please go to InsidePersonalGrowth.com or any of your favorite channels to listen to our podcast. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.